0: psalm 23 amen well let me pray for us and then we'll get into the word father god thank you for this time to just talk about you Lord, my desire is to put you on a pedestal this morning you're already on the throne you're the king of the universe you reign you rule there's none beside you every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that your son jesus is the lord we thank you that we know him We thank you that, Lord, you know us, that you chose us. As David said, you picked us up out of the miry clay, you placed our feet upon a rock, and you established our going. Anything good about us has come from you. We thank you that you have saved us from our sin. We thank you for the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit as you are making us more and more like Jesus every day. Because Lord, we fail you every day, but we thank you for your mercies that are new every day. We thank you for your grace that superabounds over our sin. And I thank you, Lord, that I know some of the stories in this house this morning of people who've been delivered from gunshots, of people who've been delivered from all kinds of things. And I just wanna say thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for being the kind of shepherd who's not afraid to get dirty serving your sheep. Bless you, Lord. And now, would you open up our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word? Would you open up our ears to hear your voice, even through my voice? Would you open up our hearts to receive the word that you will plant today so that it may produce fruit in keeping with repentance? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be our teacher. Be our preacher. Be our guide. Be the one who motivates us to put into practice the things we hear. We love you and we thank you for this beautiful day that you've made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Well, this series talks about having a fresh look at Psalm 23. Because so often when we read this psalm, which is one of the most beloved psalms in the Bible, it's one of the most well-known one that many, many people know by heart, one that many of our grandmothers have uh, framed over the dining room table. Um, This psalm is known by Christians and even unbelievers. But the tendency we have is that when we look at this, we tend to only see the benefits of the sheep, how the sheep are led, how the sheep are fed, how the sheep are protected, and that's very, very, very true. But we wouldn't be in this blessed position if it weren't for all of the work that the shepherd does to bless the sheep the way in which we are blessed. So rather than just looking at this for what we get out of it and how we benefit, I want us to take off those Western lenses that tend to be self-absorbed because the brand of Christianity here in America, you know, sometimes it's mingled with the American dream in such a way where it's about me, myself, and I, and we add God to our agenda rather than getting on God's agenda, we have to purposefully look at this psalm and not just see ourselves, but see the shepherd who is behind the scenes making all of these blessings and opportunities possible for us. And so when I look at this psalm, I see a shepherd who is a servant leader. I see a shepherd who wants the sheep to be out front. I see a shepherd who wants the sheep to be blessed. And as we'll see today, a shepherd who is even willing to dig and create springs, a place where water can come so that the sheep can drink and drink peacefully. Um, So I see a servant leader as I read Psalm 23. And a servant leader is humble enough to lead from behind. See a servant leader doesn't always need to be in front. Now I'll get to that in a moment, but a servant leader is humble enough to lead from behind. So let us see that picture of a shepherd walking behind the sheep. Now what you see, if, you may not be able to make it out clearly, but in the back there is the shepherd and the sheep are out in front. And so you know you are a good leader a servant leader, when you can lead from behind, where you can still talk, you can still set the direction. The sheep don't always have to have their eye on you, but they know that you are near them and they are near you. Um, Take a note for those of you who are supervisors and those of you who are principals at schools that you can lead from behind. You can lead by serving. And in a couple weeks, we'll talk about when a shepherd walks behind sheep, he's gonna be stepping in some stuff. Shepherd ain't afraid to get his feet dirty stepping in the dung and the crap of the sheep. That's a servant leader, walks from behind but a servant leader is also lovable enough to lead from underneath, from underneath. You see the reason why we don't see the shepherd too much in this Psalm is because Jesus is the ultimate servant leader. And he's not afraid to go low and lead underneath the people that he is charged to lead. Remember in the upper room when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He laid aside his garment, put on the clothing of a slave, wrapped himself in a towel, literally. And he pulled out the water and he began to wash the desert, dusty, funky, crusty feet of the disciples. The feet were dusty because they always wore them sandals and they did a whole lot of walking. So those feet were dirty. And he washed their feet. And he said, if I, your Lord, will wash your feet, if I will humble myself under you, then you ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to be a leader who can come beneath, go down low. And the thing about it, he washed the feet of people that he knew were going to fail him. He knew that just in a moment that when he would be arrested that all of the disciples would flee. He also knew that Judas would betray him, set him up, yet he still washed the feet of his betrayer. He still loved his enemy. And he washed the feet of Peter even though Peter let him down. Probably Jesus' closest earthly friend, he still served him from underneath. We can't love like that in and of ourselves which is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit who sheds love abroad in our heart to love like Christ. But we're all in process. But if we're going to be leaders, let's strive to be servant leaders who can even love from beneath and underneath. But a servant leader is confident enough to lead from within. You know, you'll see a shepherd in the midst of the flock. First Peter chapter five, we are told to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. In other words, as pastors and elders and leaders, you've got to be among the people and with the people. You can't be above the people or away from the people. You've got to be with the people. And so remember when uh, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane that Judas identified Jesus with a kiss. And the reason why he did that was because A, it was at night, and B, Jesus was so much of a common person that he blended in with his disciples in such a way that the guards would not have known who Jesus was unless Judas had pointed him out because Jesus was not walking around in Palestine with all white robes, blonde hair, and a halo around his head. He didn't have white skin either. Can somebody say amen? That amen was weak. Can somebody say Amen. And so he looked like everybody else. There was no form of comeliness about him. He was normal. And so Judas fingered Jesus like he was in a lineup and said, the one I kiss, that's the one. Because he, he's like the other ones. He, he doesn't like float and levitate when he walks. He's with the sheep. And that night, the Bible says, when the shepherd is struck, then the sheep will scatter. And the shepherd was struck. He was arrested that night and the disciples fled. He's a servant leader who not only is humble enough to lead from behind and lead from underneath and lead within, he also is strong enough to lead from the front. We're talking about servant leadership. And Jesus went to the front when he went to the cross. He went to the front when he went to the cross. He went out of Jerusalem bearing his own cross. He went to Calvary. He died on the cross in the center. He led from the front. But even as he led from the front, he led in a way that was sacrificing himself. Now, in today's world, you got people who want to lead because they're charismatic. You got people who want to lead because they're wealthy. You got people who want to lead because they're dictators. You got people who want to lead because they're smart or because they know somebody or because they come from a line of leaders and they think that they should lead. You got leaders who lead with a transformational style, a transactional style, a laissez-faire style. But not too many people want to lead with a servant leadership style. There's something about our Lord who, when he came to shepherd his people, he did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's why he doesn't always jump from Psalm 23, even though he's all over Psalm 23 But again, we're so self-absorbed with the benefits we get from God that we forget to do. Like when Jesus healed uh, uh, the lepers, he healed 10 of them and only one came back to say thank you. And so we want to live in such a way where when we read Psalm 23, we just don't see how he restores my soul and he leads me and he's with me and he comforts me. I want to see him as I read Psalm 23. And all that an earthly shepherd does with natural sheep is a picture, as David is writing, to let us know all that our shepherd in heaven does to take care of his sheep. Now, next week, when we talk about how he restores our soul, you are going to be so encouraged because sheep have certain tendencies that unless a shepherd comes, a sheep can die. I, I don't even want to give it away. You've got to come back next week. Same back time, same back channel, same Holy Ghost Church. Can somebody say it? But today, I want you to see how this servant leader leads us to still waters. Look with me in Psalm 23, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So last week, we talked about how he makes me. Today, let's talk about how he leads me. He's my leader. He's my leader, and he's a servant leader. He's a valiant leader. He's a brave leader. He's a mighty leader. There's no God like our God. He leads me. I don't lead my own life. He leads me. And when my shepherd leads me, and as I said, we are sheep, and sheep are not that smart but the one who leads us knows all things because he is omniscient. He leads me, and he leads me beside the still waters. You see, sheep get water from dew on the grass. Number one, so when, when there's dew in the grass, on, dew on the grass in the morning, a sheep can go out and get their water supply from dew. And based upon the weather, if it's not too hot in these regions, A sheep can go for months getting its water supply simply from the dew that is on the grass. And so they get their nourishment, their water, from grass. But also they get it from springs, from fresh springs and from streams and from man-made wells. So men would dig the wells, go down deep enough to find water, and many times they would develop systems to be able to get the water out and then take the water and put it in troughs so that the sheep and other livestock, livestock could drink. So sheep are thirsty, just like humans. We're thirsty, we, we have to drink. We have to have water to survive. A sheep's body is made up of 70% of water. And I think for humans, our body composition is somewhat 80% water. So so we're hydro people. So we've got to rehydrate because it's easy to get dehydrated. So that's why we need to be easy on how many of them cokes and things we consume because they have a way of just dehydrating you. And the best drink of all is water. Can somebody say amen? Somebody said coffee is running real close right now the water. <laughs> sheep are too timid to drink from rivers or from waterfalls. So they have to drink where the water is still. If the water is moving rapidly or if it's coming down and it's crashing and it's making noise, you don't see a gang of sheep drinking at a waterfall because they're too timid for that. And the only way a sheep can defend itself is by running. And it's always afraid because it knows that it can't fight back and it needs somebody to fight for it. So in a couple of weeks, you'll hear about that rod and that staff and how the shepherd uses those tools to comfort the sheep. Amen. So because sheep are timid and their drinking and water options are limited, the shepherd oftentimes takes the sheep to the still, quiet waters to get replenishment. Still waters are peaceful waters. Still waters are pure waters and clean waters, and it's a place to drink where you don't have to be afraid of who might get you while you're drinking, because there are many predators that lurk and try to get the sheep like the coyote and like uh, uh, the wolf and the bear and even the lion. But again, the shepherd is there, and the shepherd says, sometimes we got to leave the fray and all of the traffic that's down here by the roadsides and we got to go to some places where the still waters are found. And so that shepherd knows how to utilize creation properly so that the sheep can get a drink in peace, a fresh drink in peace because the sheep can be very timid and a frightened creature. So the shepherd knows when it's time Because still waters are like green pastures. You don't get this every day. So I got to take you to a drinking spot, a watering hole that either I made or I know about this nice little peaceful creek that I'm going to take my flock to. So he leads me to the still waters so that I can get a fresh drink in peace. Because life can be so tough and life can be so hard. There can be so much friction and confusion. So the shepherd knows... Okay, you've been eating that dew, getting your water from the dew. Okay, we've been putting it in the trough, but let's take a hike and let's find the still waters. Only the shepherd knows where the still, quiet, peaceful waters are. The sheep don't know. Sheep don't know where the waters are, but the shepherd knows. That's why you got to trust your shepherd because he knows what you need when you need it. The sheep don't know where to go. The sheep don't know what to do. But that's why they have to be led. And so the shepherd will take the sheep and using much personal effort will take them to drink from a place that they already dug without the sheep's knowledge to prepare for them so that they could get there and find, especially after a rainfall. The shepherd knows, oh, the place that I dug, the trench that I dug, it's ready for them. The waters are still, or he knows where this pond is and and on the property, the acreage, he knows those spots to take the sheep. And it's a loving thing to do. So the first thing I want you to see today is that the Lord, our shepherd, leads us to the still waters so he can show us himself. That's the first thing. He he leads you to the still waters so he can show you himself. You see, I asked you to show me your your rings earlier. And some of you sisters have some rocks on your hand. Amen. Amen. And uh, when your man went to go buy that diamond, a lot of times what they do is they take out a black cloth and it's a velvet cloth and they lay it down and they get the stones and they put the stones against that black cloth so that the stone, its radiance may pop out all the more because of what it's laid against. And as it begins to sparkle and radiate, you say, because you're madly in love. Oh, I got to have that rock for my baby. Oh, I got to get that. She said, I got to put a ring on it. So let me go and get that right there. You make a sacrifice to get that because it's glowing. But if they just set that diamond on a white table, it's the same diamond, but it ain't going to pop as much because it's not laying up against something that contrasts against its celestial quality. And so with God, the way we know, because God is like our diamond. And the best way we see God's power is not when things are going great. It's in the dark of night when you're struggling. And God's, his power, his radiance pops. And you get to see his glory against the backdrop of suffering and affliction and hardship and trial. That's when he shines the bright. Now, he's always shining, He's always, but we see him best when it's dark. That's why when he called Abraham, he said, look up into the heavens, and you can't even count the stars because the stars, your promise is against the backdrop of darkness because what you're going to have to go through for the people of Israel, you're going to suffer, but I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still going to shine through you because me and my promises show up best in darkness. My, my, my. So the Lord leads us to still water so he can show show us himself because sometimes we won't know him unless we're going through hardship. Look at Psalm chapter 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The old folks used to say, if I didn't have a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. So he allows us to go through hard places of trouble because some of us just won't pray unless we're struggling. And and God uses the trouble so that we can get intimate with him and get to know him because usually when we're up on the mountaintop of blessing, we don't always have the discipline in the heart to think about God and draw near to God, so that's why he keeps us balanced with not only mountaintops but some valleys from time to time. And he wants us to know that he's the God of the mountaintop and he's also the lily that's in the valley. You can still smell his beauty and his glory. You can see his, oh, in the valley. A Couple of weeks, he'll be with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He will not leave, he will not forsake. He's a very present help. You and I got friends that when tough stuff happens, they go, oh. but not God. He's the friend that sticks closer than who? Brother, Amen. Now, look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And if we can add, I will be exalted in your life. Because you're struggling right now. You're low. But I'm telling you, I'm going to exalt you. Right now you're suffering, but the Lord has this thing set up that those who humble themselves, he will exalt. But those who exalt themselves, he will humble. So that's why, like the servant leader, we have to humble ourselves and make ourselves of no reputation because it's not about us. And so God says, I'm going to bring you up out of suffering, bring you up out of humility, bring you up out of that place where people spit on you, lie on you, talk about you. I will bring you up in due season, Peter says. But he says, first, be Still and know that I am God. So the shepherd will lead us to the still waters so that we can be still long enough to know that he's God. Because we're frantic, we're always moving, we always got something going on. Somebody's calling me. My phone is buzzing, man. My computer's going off. I gotta make this call. This is going on. We're just busy. Oh, I gotta pick up my kids from soccer practice. I gotta go to the grocery store. I gotta go buy the job. I done left this over. There. I gotta pick that I got and we gotta know how in this age of information, high technology, to be still sometime. Take some Sabbath breaks because a lot of times we miss what God has to say because his voice is blending in with all of the voices and culture. So we miss him a lot of times because we're so inundated with other stuff that's coming at us constantly and his voice gets lost in the fray. So he has to lead us away from the regular places where people, you know, do their thing and shop. And, all. and he says, let's go to the still waters, which is why sometimes you've got to take a drive and turn the radio off. Sometimes you got to go to the park and just get out and find a place where nobody's throwing a frisbee or chasing a dog. you got to connect with God. you got to go out on the boat and, and sit out there and enjoy him in nature. Sometimes you got to turn your phone off and don't even take it with you. you got to be intentional to be quiet. Because I promise you, when you're quiet, he's going to speak loudly. Now, some of us don't want to get quiet before him because... We don't want to hear what he's going to say to us. You know how in school your teacher will say, you can't listen while you're talking. He gave you two ears and one mouth, so shut up. (laughs) And God knows a lot of times we're busy talking and we do that because we're afraid to be still and listen because he might say something that's going to mess with our plans. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to drop that right there. That, That part was for free. I'm going to drop that right there. And so the shepherd is going to take us to places where we can get to know him. Now, still waters is that place for us to see that God and God alone is the only one who can help us under certain circumstances. I need you to pay great attention on what I'm about to say to you. The shepherd is going to lead you to a place of still waters where you can see him in a way where you realize that can't nobody do you like Jesus can do And can't nobody do for you like Jesus can do for you? So hold on, go with me to Galatians chapter six real quick. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So as sheep, we have to be in a sheepfold where we can encourage and help one another and bless one another and serve one another, be served when we have a need. We need to be in community. We need to be in community with other Christians. We can't treat the church like a hotel or a motel that you drop in on a weekend and you don't really want to know nobody. No, no, this is a household of faith. We are family members. So so we got to bear each other's burdens because when we do that, when you're struggling, that means it hurts me. Because when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we need to help bear each other's burdens because, man, life is hard. And you don't know when you're going to be the one that needs to bear some, uh, have your burdens borne. So why don't you serve and love the way you may need to be loved and served one day. That's the Christian faith. Do unto others the way you would have them do unto you. Bear each other's burdens when somebody's struggling with health or with finances or their marriage or school. Whatever it is. So that's part of the Christian life. But for most of us as Christians, that's where we stop. And we become so codependent on other people bearing our burden that when they don't bear it the way we think they should bear it, at the time that it should be born, we get an attitude with the other sheep. Maybe that don't happen to y'all, but we get too codependent on people. And God is a jealous God and he won't have anyone be before him. Now, bearing burdens is a good thing, but it can become a bad thing when I'm looking more to people than I am looking to God. So he'll use the hard times, yes, for people to help me, but to get us to that place where only God can help you and speak to your spirit, which is why in Galatians chapter six, it goes to the next verse for each one shall bear his own load. I can help you with your burden. You can help me with my burden. But there's something you've got to carry and something that I've got to carry that I've got to carry on my own with the Lord's help. Amen. Oh, you missed what I just said. God has taken us to places where my wife can't even understand what I'm going through. And I can't even understand what she's going through. And so God says, but I understand what you're going through. And it's good to have a godly wife and a godly husband and godly friends, but they can only walk you but so far. Just like when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had his friends with him. And even his friends, in that moment where he needed so much help, they failed him and they fell asleep and could not pray with him. But the Bible says he went a little bit further. Sometimes you gotta need a group, you know. You can't depend on a the group. They're flesh and blood just like you, they fail. And God says, step a little bit further and get with me. And Jesus got everything he needed from the Father in order to go and do what he had to do, which was giving his life. My friends, my brothers and sisters, when you get to that place where only God knows what's going on, I'm here to let you know it's a lonely place, but it's a good place. Because you really can't really learn the depth of his voice and his qualities and his characters in a group setting. Sometimes you got to get to know him by yourself and there'll be some pain that will hit you that can't nobody help you but God. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And the next verse says, therefore, let us go boldly to the throne of grace. Because he knows. How does he know? He's God. He knows everything. But he also knows because he was a human and he was here. And he knows what it's like to deal with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So some stuff you may not want to tell your wife about, you could tell Jesus about. And guess what? You ain't filling him in or nothing new. He already know. So you might as well tell him anyway. Yeah. And then in those still water places, that's stuff he want to tell you about your soul. So be still long enough to hear what he's got to say. And that's why I can hear Tamala, man, in my left ear, which is my surgically repaired ear. I can hear better out of this ear. I can hear Tamala saying, take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My life is torn to pieces, but it's my offering. Then she says something about, lead me to the cross. And, and, and just leave me there alone to gaze upon His glory. And then she said, I'm going to sing to you this song. That's why y'all know if I could sing every sermon would have a song in it. Because you know how she start that thing. Truth is, I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to pray. But where are you? I'm all churched out. Hurt and abused. Then I don't even know the rest of the lyrics. That's enough. I ain't even got to the other part of the song. I'm just right there. Yes, Pamela, you. Yes, thank you, Lord, for that song. I just need King Jesus. Ah. So, yeah, he'll take you there to get to see him better. But he'll also lead you to the still waters so you can see yourself a little bit better. Yes, he will. Proverbs twenty-seven, nineteen. Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So now watch this. They didn't have, like, a lot of mirrors back then. So if you wanted to know what you looked like, you had to look into a metallic image. Or if you were a sheep, you had to look into the water to see yourself. And so it reminds me of the dumb birds that knock on my door every morning. One day, I'm sitting in my office, and my wife is in the other room, and we hear boom, boom, boom. And we wonder, who's knocking on the door this early? So we go to the door, nobody's there. We think that the thing she hung on the door is blowing in the wind, so we take it off. And then the next day, we hear it again. Boom, boom, there's nothing blowing on the door. Nobody's knocking on the door. I'm like, what's going on? Then one day when I heard that sound, I saw some birds hanging out. I said, these birds are playing me right now. And I realized what was going on. I told Dorena the other day, we have a brass strip across the bottom of our door. And these dumb birds think that they're seeing another bird in the reflection on the brass on my door. So in the morning, these jokers are banging on the door, messing with us. They see another bird and be like, man, that's a fine looking bird. You're looking at yourself, fool. So for sheep to know what they looked like, they would look in the water. And as water reflects the face, Solomon would write, so your heart shows who you really are. And so when you go to the still waters, you can see things about yourself. You normally don't see when you're in the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the day. So my question is, when was the last time you got a real good look at yourself? When was the last time you really got to look at yourself? Sometimes we don't want to look at ourselves because we don't like what we see. But when the shepherd is there, he's with you. Just like, you know, uh, uh, someone that's standing behind, a, a groom that's trying to get fitted in a tuxedo or a bride with a dress that, that the, the dressmaker or the, the, uh, the uh, tailor is standing there. And if something's not right, they'll fix it. And that's how Jesus is. He's standing with us when we get a look at ourselves. So he's with you, take a look, take a look, because whatever is wrong, he's able to help fix. Proverbs 14, 10, each heart knows its own bitterness. So in the soulish place of who we are, that no human can go to, as close as your friends are, they can't get into that soulish place. As good as counselors can be, the wonderful counselor is the only one who can get into that soulish place where you've got bitterness and unforgiveness and pride and fear and rage, all kinds of things. Each heart knows it's crap. But we don't want to be still long enough to admit that it's there. But when we can be still for a minute, each heart knows its own bitterness and God knows the bitterness of the soul, what you're holding on to from that husband that hurt you, that father that hurt you, that co-worker that hurt you, that white man that called you nigger, whatever it was, and that place that's deep in your heart that you've suppressed and you put stuff on top, you know, and you try to smile, but you've got the tears of a clown. God is like, I want to take those layers off. And I want to get down to that place of bitterness because if you don't deal with it, it'll turn around and kill you. If you don't forgive as you've been forgiven, if you don't love, if you don't bless when you're cursed. So he wants to get into that place of hurt. That's why, as they sing today. That deep place calls to a deep God. Deep calls to deep. Lord, this is deep, right? I'm hurt so bad, I don't even know how bad I'm hurt. But you're with a loving God, an understanding God, because you're not the first piece of clay that's messed up that he's ever seen. So let him. Trust the potter. Let him in. Because when you are hurt down deep, Listen to this. You're going to turn to something to medicate the pain. And rather than drinking the still waters, some of us turn and start drinking something else. Oh, I know this is a little too personal, but good. I am here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Some of us, when something hurts, we have a tendency and a habit to go to the liquor store and abuse alcohol. We're going to go get high. Because there's pain in there. Or are we going to go hurt somebody else, curse somebody out, go binge shopping? Because if I buy me another bag, I'm going to feel better about this pain. You got 50 bags in the closet and you still hurting. Some guys buy another car. Somebody buys another house. Some of us say, I'm going to go get me a good meal. I'm going to go eat myself into feeling better. And unfortunately, that's what I do because I can't go out and buy some alligator shoes or go buy another car, but I can go over there to Jay Alexander's and get me a huge steak. And ain't nothing wrong with steak, but sometimes I know I'm running to the food when I should be running to Jesus. Oh, I'm exposing myself today. Because when something hits you, what do you run to to medicate the pain? Now let me get on my computer. Let me get on CrackBook, Facebook. Let me just do something. And the Lord is like, I'm here. I want to meet you in this place of pain. Let us be still together and let me minister to you in that place in a way that no one or not. That's why Jesus said, peace I give you, but not as the world gives peace. But we forfeit what he offers because we faint. We can't go still and get deep with him. And so we just keep on doing these habits that are destructive rather than saying, He's using the pain to drive me to my knees, to drive me to the throne of grace, to get a drink of the living water, because don't mess with the still water now, because the still water is also living water. I just need to let you know, don't mess with the still water, because the still water is not only a picture of Jesus, but we also know from John chapter 7, Jesus is the living water. And he says, when I get in you through the Holy Ghost, you'll have water turning all up over inside. You'll have waterfalls all up inside of you, but let me do it through the Holy Ghost! Who can... Comfort you rather than going out and sleeping with that dude to find comfort and that dude can not love you like God can love you and after you've been giving up your body to him you still feel just as empty as you was when you went to him in the first place and the devil is sitting back laughing at you laughing at me because he knows that his schemes keep working on us but at some point the sheep gonna get smart and trust the shepherd and say I'm going to the still waters Because they also live in water. Get a drink of the living water. But thirdly and finally, the Lord our shepherd leads us to the still waters so he can show us his will. Mm -mm. Old folks used to say, and Elder Clifton, they were right. Never make a major decision while you're under stress. Never make a major decision while you're mad. Never make a major decision while you're hurt and while you're angry, while you're depressed and while you're confused. Don't make a major decision because of how you're feeling now because that decision could change the the trajectory of your life. So before you make a major decision, calm down. Don't cuss him out and walk out. Don't cuss your boss out and then walk out and then be at home saying, man, I shouldn't have cussed him out. Now I'm unemployed. You see, the enemy wants us to respond. But God wants us to reflect. He wants us to, Holy Spirit, one of your fruits is self-control. So keep me from doing something or saying something in this moment that could wreck my life. Had a young man tell me this week that on his job, the boss's son struck him in the face. Now when my man got struck, he told us that something kept him from moving. Because what the boss's son did not know is that this brother had a degree from Street University. This brother had a pedigree that you you don't know who you're pushing up on. I've been inside of penitentiaries. I fear no man on the earth. And the boss's son struck this gentleman, but the gentleman said, something kept me. You see, when we don't have enough mind to keep ourselves, Holy Ghost will keep you. And you're wondering why you didn't. He kept you. So God is saying, I know you want to know my will, but don't jump out there and ask me to bless what you're doing. Slow it down and do the stuff that I'm blessing. Follow me to those living waters. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13. This is Elijah after he had defeated 400 prophets of Baal climbed Mount Carmel, outran a thunderstorm and rainstorm. He's exhausted. Jezebel threatens his life, he runs for his life, and he's going to the mountain of God, the place where it all started for the people of God. And so the Bible says, "Then he, which is God, said to Elijah, "Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Who wants a mountaintop experience? Oh, I do, Lord, I want to take you to the mountain Well the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, oh, fire, oh, fire, Holy Ghost, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood on the entrance of the cave suddenly a voice came to him and said to him what are you doing here Elijah then God would go ahead and give Elijah what his will was so God had to teach the prophet how to listen again Because his ministry was known for the miraculous, the great fire coming down from heaven and all that. But God is like, don't get it twisted. Don't get so caught up in the gifts that you miss the giver of the gifts. And don't always think, Elijah, that your ministry has to be so supernatural that you miss intimacy with me. Because I'm about to retrain you, bro. I know God. I used you on the mountain. But I'm about to take you to another place. And he did not react until he heard the still, small voice of God. And that's when he covered his face. When's the last time you heard his voice? The still, small voice. Oh, I like when God is talking loud to me. Oh, I like when the fire, and I like when the earthquakes and all the signs and wonders. Ah! But God's like, we do that. We do do that. But sometimes, And all you got to do is say one thing and you just cover up because you heard him and it hits your soul. Like, Chris, I want you to preach my word. Chris, I want you to start a church in Franklin that's multiracial. And I cover my face because his will for me is so overwhelming. But because I heard his voice, I can walk in what is overwhelming because he spoke to me. One of our members was also at the courthouse this week fighting for custody. She was a little nervous going in. But I knew God was going to speak to her. And God spoke peace to what was going on in her soul. And she went in that courthouse and stood. And everything ruled in her favor. And she walked out of there saying, thank you, Jesus. He'll talk to you. He'll show you his will. So before you make a move to quit your job, take another job, leave town, whatever, divorce, get married, Chill, listen, be still. Get alone with God again. Take a drive, go out to the park. Get your Bible and a pen and say, Master, I'm ready, download. He may show you stuff that no man could ever show you. Call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. But for that to happen, we gotta slow down. As the worship team comes back, as the worship team comes back. In conclusion, the Lord our shepherd often leads us to the still waters to show us himself. He shows us ourselves and he shows us his will. But the question is, will we follow him there? He leads me beside the still waters. Will you follow him? there? Because there's a benefit at the water. I have an assignment for you. I have an assignment. This week, and I want to see by a show of hands, can you commit this week to follow Jesus, the servant, leader, shepherd, to the place where the still waters run just to be with him? It may mean getting up a little earlier when nobody else is up and it's still dark outside. Or going to bed a little later when everybody else in the house is asleep so that you can have some quiet time, some still time. Or it may mean getting a cabin, or it may mean going again on a walk through the park, or a mountain skate. Can you make a commitment this week, sometime this week, and you may not even have any trauma or drama in your life, but it's still always good to go get a fresh drink. Can you say, Pastor, this week I- I'm going to make a commitment to get some still time with the shepherd. Can, can, just, just, He knows. You stand to your feet. You stand to your feet. Before Elder Tyler Rime Chisel closes us out in prayer. You don't have to wait for later to get a sip of living water. Let's just imagine, sheep. Let me hear the sheep say bye Let's imagine for those who need a drink right now. You need a drink right now. This altar is a place of living water. It's a stream. It's it's a pond. It's a quiet place. And as they minister this song, if you need to come and kneel, if you need to come and fill out one of these cards to say I want to join the church, or I want to become a Christian, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to repent. Whatever it is, the still waters are here because He's here. Come get a drink. Come.